Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. Man push, puts an, an end to darkness and searches out the furthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in the valley away from where anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but beneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beasts have not trodden it, and the lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. But where shall wisdom be found, and where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me, and the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come, and where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living, and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. And this evening, we are going to go on a treasure hunt. Don't know how you feel about treasure hunts. I mean, there's different kind of treasure hunts, aren't there? There's those that you kind of did as kids, the Easter egg hunts. We're not doing one of those. And then there's something more exciting, treasure hunts. The sort of thing that take young people across to the other side of the world in, in search of some great treasure. Alan Hilgarth was a sailor, a messenger, and a novelist. And he's probably most famous for his involvement in a plot to deceive the Nazis during the Second World War, Operation Mincemeat, which has now been made into a Hollywood film in which I don't think he actually features, but he was there. If you've read the book, you'll know about him. And when he was in his 20s, he was invited by a guy called Edgar Sanders to go hunting for a vast hoard of hidden gold. A group of Jesuits had apparently built this maze of underground caverns in central Bolivia. And so he uh, was told that they'd stashed this great big amount of gold before being expelled from the country and that he could go and find it. Now, our man Alan Hilgarth loved the sound of adventure and he signed himself up 
to the project and travelled uh, over to Bolivia for the, uh, for the hunting. More on him a little bit later. Let me suggest that the hunt we're going on this evening is even more exciting because what we're hunting for is worth even more. We're going on a hunt for wisdom. Not sure how, you, how much you want wisdom. Uh, wisdom, that tricky thing to define. Some people say that it's um, the difference between knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. You heard that definition before? It's not particularly useful when you're trying to think about wisdom biblically. I much prefer the one by Christopher Ashe. Wisdom is the fundamental underlying order according to which the universe is constructed. Uh, wisdom is the fundamental underlying order according to which the universe is constructed. Uh, this is deeper, he says, than just an order of its material composition, which is the study of the material sciences. This order extends also to the, mirror, uh, the moral and spiritual dimensions of existence. Is that something that you want? It should be. According to verse 18, it is more valuable than coral, crystal, or pearls. Are you eager to know how the world works morally and spiritually? Uh, to understand why things are the way that they are, they are? Some people think that they've already worked it out. If you've been unfortunate enough to read any of the writings of Yuval Noah Harari, then you will have read him uttering his clear confidence in how the world works, why it is the way it is. Um, there's some moments when he acknowledges his uncertainty, but he often acts as though he's sussed the whole thing out. He knows the underlying order according to which the universe is constructed. And there's lots of other people who, who proudly declare the same. But I think when we face suffering, we realize that we don't have it sorted. The world doesn't make sense the way that we thought it did before. If you're not bothered about wisdom now, then when you face suffering, I suspect you will really crave wisdom, particularly facing apparently meaningless suffering. When we encounter profound suffering that we've done nothing to deserve, then we're asking the question, how do we make sense of this all? That's why the last few years have been such a wake-up call to our culture. And it was something of a wake-up call to Job, uh, one of the main characters in this book, named after him, a blameless and upright man, we were told, who feared God and turned away from evil. A yet someone who faced inexplicable suffering, as we've been seeing over these past two weeks. And last week, we were following him in this search for wisdom, going round and round with his friends to find an explanation for his suffering. You can see on the right-hand side of the handout at the top there, uh, cycles of Job interacting with his friends, asking, where, where are we to find wisdom in the storm? The problem is that no one had an answer. Uh, in the end, these cycles just fizzle out. The last one just gets interrupted because it's not going anywhere. We reach the end of chapter 26, and we're still drawing a blank. Uh, one scholar has put it like this. Uh, he says, uh, we're seeing that wisdom is not to be found among the friends. The issue that Job has been wrestling with has not been resolved. Wisdom must come from another source. And tonight we're coming to Job's summary speech. Five chapters in which he draws together his arguments and lays out his case. 
Uh, since we don't have time to look at all of it, uh, we're just going to focus in on chapter 28. Please do read the others another time. Uh, but we're focusing on chapter 28, not because it's a complicated chapter. Actually, I think its idea is very simple. Essentially, that we don't know everything, but we know the one who does, and that's enough. It's not a complicated chapter, nor are we focusing here because it presents something brand new. as a sense in which these summary chapters capture ideas we've already seen in Job. We're focusing here because the simple idea at the heart of this passage is hard to accept. Uh, whether you like Yuval Noah Harari, if you're like him and you think you've got everything sorted, or you know that you don't have everything sorted, but you're sort of looking forward to that moment when you do have it all sussed, I think we struggle to accept that we don't know everything, but we do know the one who does, and that's enough. And so Job 28, it sweeps in with its beautiful poetry, and not simply to state its lesson, but to grab hold of us, to paint poetic pictures that challenge us, and to guide us to a place where finally we'll accept, maybe even delight in our limitations. But it starts as necessary by affirming our capabilities. Uh, point one on the handouts. Humanity can reach lots of valuable things. Let me read from verse 1. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth and copper is smelted from the ore. It's as though we've joined Alan Hilgarth on his treasure hunt and there's this array of rich metals on offer. Silver, gold, iron, copper. And the point is, no matter how hidden they might be, uh, we can get hold of them. Uh, verse 3, man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. Uh, the ore used to be hidden away in gloom and deep darkness, but man, humanity, we've, we've found a way to dig them up. I found out before our time together that Johnny is in fact a geologist. You can ask him all about how you get hold of them. But we descend into the mine in verse 4. He opens shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. Uh, they are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. Are we perhaps picturing the miner here lowering himself into the cavern, forgotten by travelers, because now he's deep underground, they can't see him, and suspended, swinging to and fro in the air? Verse 5, as for the earth, it, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. I'm saying you could bake bread, uh, but that's pretty straightforward. Uh, you might think that you're all that with your hipster sourdough, but basically the earth just chucked that out. Whereas if you want something truly hidden, underneath, it's underneath the earth that you get this tr it transformed into all this treasure, the sapphires and the dust of gold. And just as our poet is putting the finishing touches to those uh, blue precious stones and this uh, gold, he realizes we might not have realized what an amazing achievement it is to have found all these things. And so he lifts our gaze to above grounds. And there's this falcon circling around. Verse 7, that path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. Uh, even a creature renowned for its sight is looking lost because it can't find the hidden things that we've found. Uh, nor, nor can the other creatures. Verse 8, the proud beasts have not trodden it. The lion has not passed over it. The greatest of the land animals, the king of the beasts, the lion. Well, it doesn't turn up with a load of bling, does it? 
I've not seen any. If you've seen a lion like that, then tell me about it later. Uh, These precious stones, these hidden things are hidden from lions as well. No, uncovering the treasures of the earth is a distinctly human accomplishment. Verse 9, man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the streams so that they do not trickle and the thing that is hidden he brings to light. That's the ingenuity of humanity, isn't it? Uh, Their center stage is our heroic miner uncovering the hidden treasures of the earth. Alan Hilgoth, I like to think, uh, just because I happen to have been reading about him when I was reading Operation Mincemeat. Uh, He, in fact, his his search for this gold did demonstrate a remarkable amount of human ingenuity. Uh, He turned up in Bolivia with 40 tons of equipment, Uh, two tractors, four compressors, two pumps, six cranes, a petrol motor, winches, and various digging equipment. And to get it to to the site of the dig, he had to take it along a track that was so worn away, they had to effectively rebuild it in order to get things across uh, to where they were going. And then when they reached the site, they had to remove 37,000 tons of rock uh, to get at this hidden system of chambers. This was about 100 years ago. Uh, Can you see why I'm picturing Alan Hilgarth in the center of this painting of Job 28? Uh, Falcons and lions prancing and flying overhead, but looking a bit lost. And there in the center, this triumph of human ingenuity, the ability to uncover that which is hidden. And of course, it's not just mining. Uh, The history of humanity has multiplied the examples, Uh, whether it's the progress we've made in the physical sciences, giant telescopes and particle accelerators and all sorts of things I just don't understand, Uh, All through to things like the incredible speed at which we uncover the secrets of COVID-19 and we're able to produce tests and vaccines at an unprecedented rate. The secrets of the universe, they're ours to discover, aren't they? Uh, We are remarkably capable, celebrated in these few verses. But of course, we can have the impression that nothing is beyond us. That if we put our mind to it, we'll accomplish anything. Which is why we need to move on to point two. Point two, the most valuable thing, wisdom, is unreachable. I look down at verse 12. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me, and the sea says, it is not with me. For all the things that we are able to uncover, wisdom the fundamental underlying order according to which the universe is constructed, well, that's beyond our reach. It's too hidden. I guess some of us might be used to buying our way out of difficult situations. I've got the unique confidence of the rich. Anything is possible if you've got enough cash. But even that isn't an avenue for us here. Verse 15, it cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir in precious onyx or sapphire. I take the most valuable gold in the world, a gold from the land of Ophir, gold that Jewish readers would know is the gold used in the temple. That is still not enough. Verse 17, gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. I don't know what you've got nestled away in a bank balance somewhere, uh, but whatever it is, it is not enough. 
You're not going to buy wisdom. So we're focused in on the center of this poetic painting, and our miner is swinging to and fro over this vast cavern of Earth's treasures. And we discover that it's not just the falcon and the lion who are looking lost because they can't find what they're looking for, Uh, even our hero in the middle. uh, He has a confused expression because he, too, cannot find what he's looking for. Uh, For all the treasure that's just below him, uh, he still can't get hold of wisdom. Verse 20, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. In this last ditch effort to uncover wisdom, our miner reaches to the very deepest point he can imagine. I guess for us, it would be the Mariana Trench, the deepest point on earth. But for him, it was death and Abaddon, uh, death and hell. But when Job asks them where wisdom is, we get this slightly comedy response, verse 22. Abaddon and death say, we've heard a rumor of it with our ears. It's as if they reply, oh, no, I um, I reckon I had a conversation with someone about that the other day. Where was it? Um, Yeah, actually, I was talking to Hades about it, and his brother's wife's second cousin, she knew someone from her yoga class who talked about wisdom. What was it they said? Now, I'm not particularly trying to associate the West Country with hell. (laughs) But the point is that even death and hell cannot, cannot tell you where wisdom are. It's too hidden. Humanity cannot get at it. It's not a complicated idea. But we need help believing it in a world that's so self-confident. Whatever the problem we encounter in our modern society, we think it's a problem we can solve. Even with the mysteries of a new disease causing a global pandemic, there was never any question of whether we would be able to sort it out. In our minds, it was just a question of when. And so when it comes to even greater mysteries, when it comes to understanding the underlying order of the universe, when it comes to wisdom, we think we can work it out. We live in a world in which we think wisdom is in us. Wisdom is either within our grasp or even it's something that we find within ourselves. Well, we do have a remarkable capacity to uncover hidden things, the triumph of human ingenuity, But we can't uncover wisdom. Verse 21, it is hidden from the eyes of all living. And isn't that what we've been seeing as we looked at Job and his friends offering nothing but miserable comfort? As he himself wrestles with the tension and the cycles fizzle out in chapter 26 and we still don't have a clue. Wisdom must come from another source. And of course, that's what we see in the world. For all the progress that we make in science, there's so much we can't explain. However much we've answered the what of COVID, we can't answer the why. And discerning the underlying order of the universe, getting to why, finding wisdom, it's beyond us. And I wonder if Christians at St. Helens, we particularly need to hear this because as we get to study the Bible more and more, I think we realize how rich this book is, how much God has told us. And we start to think that Christian maturity is all about knowing all of the answers when confronted with those impossible questions, to which only God knows, which he hasn't told us, rather than admitting our ignorance, I think we can imagine that we can unearth whatever, whatever we want, whatever is hidden. And we can't. 
Christian maturity involves knowing that we don't have all of the answers. God hasn't told us everything. Some things remain hidden. Our brain cells can't dig far enough. Our mental minds don't go deep enough. There are some things we can't fathom. We can uncover a lot of hidden things, but we can't uncover wisdom. Humanity can reach lots of valuable things, but the most valuable is unreachable. Alan Hilgos, a treasure hunting in Bolivia, eventually had to get given up as a bad job. Aside from health problems and apparently even a plague of vampire bats, grim. I just don't know why people go for, go for this. Uh, but they were eventually defeated by water. It was pouring with rain and every hole they dug filled with water quicker than the pumps could empty them. Uh, the company disbanded and everyone went their separate ways. Actually, it turned out they were never going to find the treasure because Hilgarth's friend Sanders had made the whole thing up. Uh, the whole treasure hunt was destined, was doomed from the start. And I was thinking of ditching the illustration because it slightly made it feel like it doesn't really apply to Job 28 anymore. Except that actually, I wonder if it means it applies even better, doesn't it? Alan Hilgarth started this expedition to hunt for something he was never going to be able to find. And isn't that what we're talking about here? Uh, Alan Hilgarth there with the best equipment available, human ingenuity on show, but engaging in a task he can never accomplish. That's the treasure hunt in chapter 28 of Job. A treasure hunt that was an impossible search. We cannot find wisdom ourselves. We can't reach it ourselves. But there is a really important difference. In Hilgarth's case, there was no treasure to be found. In our case, the issue is that we can't find it. Wisdom must come from another source, which is exactly where we land at the end. Uh, point three on the handout, wisdom is with the Lord. Verse 23. Verse 23. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. God. God knows the way to wisdom. God knows how the whole world works because he made it. It's his world. Uh, verse 25, when he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. And God is pictured here deciding the weight of the wind. It's like for God deciding how hard to blow out some birthday candles. And as for the oceans, he's got his Pyrex jug out. He's kind of deciding how much to tip in, a little bit more. Oh, the Atlantic's almost, yeah, that's, that's the Atlantic done. Every drop of rain, every lightning bolt, subject to God's commands, following the path that he has carved through the sky. As that song put it earlier in our meeting, which was sung to us, he knows the mysteries of the seas, the secrets of the stars are his he guides the planets on their way and turns the earth through another day. Humanity can't understand the underlying order of the universe. We can't search it out. It's too hidden. But God can because he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. God is the one with wisdom. Of course he is. He's the creator. It's foolish of us to ever think that we could work out the underlying order of the universe aside from God's. But at God's feet, listening to him, 
we have access to all wisdom. Our theme first for this evening, on the front of the handout you were given by the door, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Aren't you longing then to hear what he has to say? Imagine that Alan Hilgarth actually found out from a Jesuit before he left that that hidden gold didn't really exist. Uh, The Jesuit says to him, that's not going to work. No matter how hard you dig, you're not going to find the treasure. But here, I've actually got some treasure for you. Do you want it? There's a little gold ingot here. Let me give it to you. That's our position as we get to the end of verse 27. And then God effectively says to us, you you could go searching for wisdom, you can keep digging, you're not going to find it. But here, I've actually got some if you want. Let me give it to you. Verse 28. And God said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. That's the result of our treasure hunt for wisdom. And I wonder how you're feeling about it. Are you a little bit disappointed? You're hoping for a bit more? The secret route to wisdom? The offer of all of the answers? Nothing here of the why. Nothing to explain Job's anguish yet. But that's because God, he's not about just giving us all of the answers. He's about giving us himself. The goal of this chapter is not that we'd be able to say, I know everything, but that we'd be able to say, I don't know everything, but I know the one who does. And that's enough. And so in God's first words since chapter 2, he he delivers to us from his storehouse of wisdom this one little proverb, a priceless nugget, something that we're told is actually more valuable than the most valuable gold going, the gold of Ophir. Verse 28, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. It doesn't excite us if what we were really hoping for was all of the answers, does it? But verse 28 tells us that's not actually wisdom. Wisdom is to fear the Lord and to turn away from evil. Wisdom is to come to God himself. Here's Christopher Ash again. At a deeper level, this poem, chapter 28, teaches that although the questions Job asks are big and significant, wisdom is indeed of priceless value, The search for wisdom as an object in itself is doomed. The seeking required of us is not ultimately the seeking for philosophical answers or even for practical wisdom. It is seeking after God himself. Now, there's dozens of implications of this chapter. I'd love it if we had longer to explore them. Uh, Please do chat them through over at Food afterwards. Uh, It's such a, a radical teaching in a world that thinks it has all of the answers. So often I find myself in conversations with those who are so convinced of the authority of their feelings that they're not interested in hearing from outside. Even in Bible studies with Christians, sometimes the sticking point is not what the Bible says, but whether we're prepared to accept it. On Friday evening, some of the students were looking at God's teaching on sexuality and gender, and we realized that so often in conversations about those topics, the biggest question isn't really what does the Bible say, but are we willing to listen to it? Job 28 speaks so loudly into that, doesn't it? Humanity doesn't know. God does. Are we going to listen to the answers that God gives us? 
Do we have the humility to acknowledge that humanity does not have all of the answers? That by ourselves, we cannot see the fundamental underlying order according to which the universe was constructed. There are no prizes in heaven for presumptuously declaring something that God never said. Conversely, do we have the humility to acknowledge that God does have all the answers? That the creator God who made the world and made us knows our universe and how it's been built to run. There is no virtue in embracing mystery when God has actually spoken. Are we going to keep on digging at a mine that that is never going to yield any treasure? Or are we going to accept the treasure that comes from the hand of the Lord and be content with what he chooses not to give us? Uh, Dozens of implications we could explore, but the primary application surely is to suffering, isn't it? A Job is a book about how to respond to suffering when we don't know the answers, when it's a mystery. And as with the rest of the book, we're encouraged to trust the Lord. This week, particularly to trust the Lord with humility. The humility that says, I don't know everything, but I know the one who does. And that's enough. Job doesn't get everything right in this book. We'll see next week. He has to repent of some of what he said. But 28, verse 28, is really a description of Job at his best. In fact, it's exactly how Job is described three times at the beginning of the book. At the very same chapters in which he gave the most extraordinary response to suffering. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. When we looked at it a couple of weeks ago, I think we thought it was the attitude of a superhuman. But really, it's the posture of someone who knows They are simply human. As someone who believes, Job chapter 28, that I don't know everything, but I know the one who does. And that's enough. Our solo again earlier sang, through the trials I choose to say, your perfect will in your perfect way. It might be that you don't know the one who knows everything. If you're here as someone who's not a Christian, you're really welcome with us. But let me encourage you to make use of that life week of events, a chance to discover the one who knows everything. That's a remarkable opportunity. Please do check out those events and make full use of them. But for those of us who have come to know God through Jesus, I wonder, are we ready to say what this chapter urges us to say? I don't know everything. But I know the one who does, and that's enough. It is, to use the words of our next song, the chance to say, I will trust in you as you speak to me. In the midst of suffering, I might not be able to get any further than that. Hey, in lots of life situations, I might not be able to get any further than that. But in a world that tells us that we've got all the answers ourselves, here is a call to realize where the real answers are. It's a proverb, in fact, that is infinitely more value, valuable than the gold of Ophir. And if we can reach Job 28, if we can echo with him his confidence in the Lord, well, that would be a very great place to reach. Let me lead us in a prayer. Our Father, thank you for the remarkable human race 
that you have made. Thank you for all that you have given us the capacity to discover. But thank you that you have also made us limited, that we might turn and trust and depend on you. Thank you, Lord, that for all of our limitations, you know everything. And we pray that you'd help each and every one of us to be content, even to delight to say, I don't know everything, but I know the one who does. And that is enough. We pray you'd help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.